0: Good morning. Yes, that's a little loud. And I will also say Merry Christmas. It's still legal. Uh, four more days you can turn to. In fact, would you like to turn to someone and say Merry Christmas this morning? This is the. Uh, this is the eight maids a milking day. You know, through that song, The Twelve Days of Christmas, it's thought to have a French origin, but an English version of the song was first published in 1780. And in 1909, an English composer, Frederick Austin, put forth the version we know. Contrary to what I shared at our home group on Tuesday night, though, it's not a coded primer on Christianity. It's just a song we drove our parents crazy singing all the way to Wichita Falls every Christmas. (laughs) It is nice to be reminded that there are eight Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. But the eight maids of milking stands for eight maids of milking. It is the eighth day of the 12 days of Christmas. We'll continue to be in this Christmas season until the coming Friday the 6th which will end the season of Christmas and begin the season of Epiphany, which will also be our first Friday at Counter Common Beer Works and Kitchen. I hope you will join us when we can wish everyone an astonishing Epiphany. But This morning we fast forward past Jesus being circumcised on the eighth day according to the law of Moses. We skip past the part where Jesus is brought to the temple on the 40th day of his birth to offer sacrifice for the redemption of the firstborn and the purification of Mary. You see, Jew, Jews' families were, were required to offer a temple sacrifice for their child when they presented the child at the temple. And they were set down in Leviticus 12, 6-8. The standard offering for a firstborn child was a lamb. But a poor family was allowed to offer two turtle doves. That was called the offering of the poor. The Lamb of God, who would take away the sins of the world, was born to a family so poor they couldn't afford a lamb for his dedication. In the language of the world, epiphany refers to a moment of sudden revelation or a great realization It's a discovery, a new way of understanding, or a brilliant insight. Like someone sees something in a fresh way, they say, I had an epiphany. Like the guy who bought a Prius and after trying to enter the freeway at Westheimer in 610 realized, I could have had a V8. (laughs) Our closing carol this morning describes these travelers as three kings. They certainly must have lived like kings compared to the lifestyle of the average Hebrew living in a country occupied by Roman troops. They had to be independently wealthy to take off time to go on such a search. But notice, however, we aren't told there were three of them. There were three gifts, but we know sometimes even wealthy people go together on a gift, Contrary to the writer of our closing carol this morning, the gospel calls these three people magi, calls these visitors magi. Now, over the years, the Greek word magi has been understood in different ways. Some have understood it to mean people who were considered sages or wise men. then the wisdom they possessed came from what they gleaned from spending time studying something the average person did not have time to study. They studied the stars. In those days, the science of astronomy and what we consider to be the pseudoscience of astrology were not divided. They studied astronomy, nomos, meaning the law of the stars, and astrology, logos, meaning the word or the message of the stars. But to the Jewish mind, the Magi would not be considered wise at all They would have been considered to superstitious pagans, foolish idolaters who worship the creation instead of the creator. And the fact that King Herod even allowed the Magi to come into the palace was more an indication of his apostasy than of the Magi's importance in the Jewish world. But it is no accident that Matthew, who was writing primarily to a Jewish audience, includes this part of the story that others leave out. Matthew wants to make the point that even though Jesus was born into the family of the house of David in the city of David, that he came for far more than just the Jewish branch of the family tree. Matthew uses this story to proclaim that Jesus not only came for the poorest of Jewish citizens, but the richest of Gentile pagans. He came for sheep grazers and stargazers. And just as God reached out to people who valued genealogy through one of the line of David, so God reached out to people who studied the stars through a star. He came to be the fulfillment of the prophecy that Israel would be the light to the nations, all nations. And we do not know how long it took the Magi to travel to Israel, depending on when they saw the star and when they started, Jesus could have been as old as two years old when they arrived in Jerusalem, because there's no Kentucky, Kirk, there's no Kentucky Kirby, no Kentucky Derby for camels. I can't even say it, but there isn't one. They took their own pace. Now, the Magi assumed that a child this important would have been born in the capital city of Jerusalem. But to their surprise, no one knew what they were talking about. Not even Herod. Herod had to call in the theologians from the back room because he hadn't been to Bible study in quite a while to discover which town the prophets said the Messiah would be born. Matthew tells us that when King Herod heard that wealthy foreigners had come seeking a baby that had been born king of the Jews, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. All of Jerusalem was disturbed because they knew the kind of wrath that Herod could wield. Herod had one of his wives and two of his sons killed because he perceived them to be a threat to his throne. When the Magi got the answer, they left. But once they started this five-mile trek to Bethlehem, they saw the star again. And it led them to the house where Jesus was. And they rejoiced exceedingly. Matthew says they found Jesus in a house. And the reason that some think that Jesus was two years old was because after the Magi told King Herod when they saw the star and didn't return to Herod, Herod ordered his soldiers to go to Bethlehem And kill all children two years old and younger. Matthew says this fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah. Of Rachel weeping for her children refusing to be consoled. For they were no more. I have a grandson who is 19 months old. And a granddaughter who is 8 months old. And I can't imagine losing both of them. On the order of a fearful despot. In the language of the church... Epiphany refers to an appearing of God's glory. So I want to begin this new year with an epiphany, a new way of seeing, a vision, an image of what our world can be and what our lives can be. Have any of you made a New Year's resolution? I told our Tuesday group I've resolved to never date a Kardashian. (laughs) But we need more than a new year's resolution we need even more than new year's revolution we need a new year's revelation of who god is and who god is calling us to be like the magi of old we need to open our minds and stretch our imaginations to see if we too can catch a glimpse of what god is calling us to do to set us off on a journey on our search for what Jesus is calling us to do and be in this new year the statesman Conrad Adenauer put it this way we all live under the same sky but we don't have the same horizon today is a day for expanding our horizons to follow the example of the magi and join them in becoming searchers for epiphanies waiting to be found Of course, there's a danger to being a searcher. The world has little patience for those who see things differently. But this is where change begins with those who are searching. Or are you so content with the things of this world that you no longer hunger for a fresh encounter with God? Knowledge of Scriptures alone is not sufficient to truly know God. No, king Herod's experts on the scriptures knew where the king was to be born, but did they do anything about it? Did they accompany the Magi to Bethlehem? No, they didn't. The Magi didn't know the scriptures, but when they found out just a little bit that they did find out, they acted. They continued their search. The Magi made use of what they learned in the sky to get them to Jerusalem. But they made use of what they learned from the Word of God to get them to Bethlehem. And true worship brings experience and Scripture together. And mature faith requires awe from the world out there and knowledge from the God that we worship in here. True worship inspires us to action, to seeking, to searching, to moving. Because you can't steer a parked car. When the Magi found Jesus, they knelt down and worshiped him. And opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Some have seen these as symbolic gold to represent his kingship, incense to represent his priesthood, and myrrh to represent his anointing for burial representing his identification with the prophets who had been martyred for the messages they brought. Most of all, these gifts represent the Magi's devotion. They gave of themselves. And if we would be wise, we would give of ourselves to God and to others. We would be wise to make the best use of what we have rather than lament what we don't have. To do so might open our eyes to see epiphanies all around us. Some of you may re- remember the story, The Gift of the Magi by O. Henry. It's a story of sacrificial giving. The husband sells his prized possession, his watch, to buy a beautiful comb for his wife, and the wife sells her long, beautiful hair to buy a watch chain. For her husband. This week, National Public Radio reported on sacrificial giving given in the spirit of the Magi that took shape in the form of a kidney transplant. Two years ago, the Houston Chronicle reported that Michael Wingard arrived at Houston Methodist with a cheerful howdy from his home in Kerrville. A couple of hours, a surgeon removed a kidney and sewed it into someone else's body. And this happened to be the day before Michael's 20th birthday. Michael's kidney didn't go to his friend, though, because he wasn't a match for her. But he was a match for someone else. And that's how Michael Wingard became the first link in a 10-person chain. Heather O'Neill Samara got Michael's kidney... And her twin sister, Stacey O'Neill, gave her kidney to Javier Ramirez Ochoa, whose son-in-law, Tomas Martinez, donated a kidney to Chris McClellan, whose father, David McClellan, gave his kidney to Barbara Moton, whose daughter, Lisa Jolovett, gave her kidney to Caitlin Connolly, Michael's friend. A 10-person procedure took place over four days And it is uncommon. With all its complexities, from matching antibodies to patient health, a kidney swap of this size was hard to pull off. It was postponed three times. But it was worth it. Two days after surgery, a group of strangers gathered in a conference room at the hospital. Michael Wingard gave a kidney that started a chain that linked nine strangers to help his one friend. This morning we sang this carol that asked that very important question. The last verse of In the Bleak Midwinter. What shall I give him poor as though I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. For a wise man, I would do my part. What shall I give him? I'll give him my heart. What shall you give... As Matthew tells it, the Magi were transformed by their giving encounter with the Christ child. They not only went home a different way, they went home as different people. So as you go away from the places in your life where you encounter Jesus, may your life be changed for the better because you've had a genuine, knee-bending, gift-giving encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Shepherd of Shepherds, the Teacher of Teachers, the Physician of Physicians, the Scientist of Scientists, the Servant of Servants, the Rabbi of Rabbis, the Magi of Magis. Whether you identify with the Shepherds or the Magi, whether you're at the top or the bottom of the corporate ladder on your way up or down or you can't even... See a ladder. Jesus came for you. He came for illiterate sheep grazers and learned stargazers and everyone in between. Epiphany is seeing life with new eyes. It's seeing new possibilities. It's more than making resolutions. It's seeking revelations of what God is calling us to become. Pray for me. And I will pray for you that this year we will discover a greater depth to our faith, a greater breadth to our witness, and a greater spring in our step. The magi came searching, and when they found the Christ, they offered Him gifts that represented the best of what was in them. This is the kind of vision, the kind of revelation we need as we begin a new year a vision to build new lives to reach out to our world and as we do i believe we'll find it to be a world full of epiphanies let us pray lord give us an epiphany this morning open the eyes of our hearts to see you humbly born wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Older and in a house with Mary. Older still teaching in the temple at 12. Older still calling disciples to follow. Older still calling us to follow now. We give you thanks for a righteousness that is all-inclusive, a hope that is ever sure, a deliverance that knows no limits. And a promise of life that is eternal through Christ whose coming we continue celebrating today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.